Yes, yes. What's up, everybody? This is MC Till with Everybody's Hip Hop Label. Glad you are here. And if you are watching the live feed right now, we appreciate that. And you see some fellas that are back that have not been here for a little bit. And you see our most uh, incredible guest tonight. So we're going to introduce her in just a moment. But I do want to welcome back uh, the co-host, Profound, out there on the football field coaching. Profound, welcome back, man. How you doing? Doing well, brother. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Are you getting uh, calls to, you know, coach in the NFL or collegiate level yet? I wouldn't say that, but we getting calls <laughs> about a 12-year-old over here, man. This, this kid <laughs> is pretty phenomenal. So we on our way to Texas in February to play. Oh, right on, man. Is that like a, a, a tournament down there? Like tournament, tournament? Actually, um, they selected my son as the starting quarterback for the for the all-star team for Reno for the 12-year-old. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Congrats, man. That's awesome, man. So I'm just That's on the great. field helping him manage his emotions. I, I ain't like, you know, uh, Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells. <laughs> I ain't doing all of that. I'm just in his ear like, get your crap together. You know what I mean? <laughs> Out there being a good dad. Well, welcome back, yeah. man. But Appreciate it, man. I missed y'all, man. Yeah, man. Missed you too. We also have back Marcus Iomas Marad. What's up, Iomas? How you been, What's man? What's happening, brother? Chilling, brother. Yeah, What's yeah. going on with you? You written a few books yet, man? I know you've written some books. <laughs> right. I'm reading a lot, but I haven't wrote nothing. <laughs> I'm it's going through books like water, bro. I know you are, man. Yeah, well, good, man. good to have you back too. And in one of my favorite t-shirts of all time, we have right. Mr. Joe November is back on the program. What's up, Joe? How you been, man? Good, man. Just dealing with this uh basketball injury broke my wrist a couple weeks ago but i would be all right i'll see y'all in january <laughs> <laughs> well good to have you back time to live your hoop here. dreams time to live out them hoop dreams bro. <laughs> you gotta do it was it was it worth it though it was like we we won the game and so you know, i took go. a charge dude ran into me fell down broke my wrist but we still won right on yeah. right on uh well right before i introduce our guest i do want to say that if you are in cincinnati and you've never checked out everybody's records. Well, what's what's going on? What are you waiting for? Go check out everybody's records over in Pleasant Ridge. I'll go with you. Call me up. We'll go over there together. They got records, CDs, vinyl. They got all kinds of great, um, great selection of music and just like n- just weird music related stuff. So check them out online if you can't get here in the flesh at everybody'srecords.com. All right. Our guest tonight, Simple and Plain, is dope. Her accolades are numerous. She was hailed as, this is pretty dope, as one of 10 women who changed the hip-hop game in Canada by Complex. Mm. That's super dope. She has numerous albums that are all dope that have been nominated. Some of them have been nominated for awards. She's toured with the best of them. She is an amazing artist who's also a parent, spouse, and much more. So we're going to get into all that right now with the one and only Eternia. Welcome to the show. What up, what up, what up? That was, that was, um... It, hey, can you hear me? Can you see me? Oh, we can hear you. We can hear you. Can okay, see cool. you. Yeah, that was that was really interesting to hear. I was, I was like, that's me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, all uh, of a sudden you live life and you... Thank you for the intro. Thank you for the intro. And thank yeah, you for having yeah. me on. No doubt. Thanks for being here. You know, you live life and all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a right? lot of stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Now, uh, going back a little bit, do you remember your first or maybe I should say your earliest experience with hip hop? Uh, my earliest memory is my brother um, when I was under the age of 10. So that would be the 80s. I'm, I'm aging myself and that's fine because we're all grown here. That's right. And uh, yeah, my brother fell in love with hip hop first probably and brought it home, cassette tapes, what was he listening to at the time? Inappropriate stuff that we shouldn't have been listening to at that <laughs> age. Um, I always say stuff that a white kid in Canada could know about and get his hands on, which was pretty mainstream at the time, like Run DMC, um, LL Cool J, uh, other stuff. But yeah, so he brought it home and everything my brother did was just like, we imitated him and we wanted to be him. We, he was like a God figure in our lives and he was the man in my household. And, uh, and so I started rapping then, and that's my first memory. I don't remember like the first moment. Yeah. Um, cause I was pretty young, but we used to make music videos. 
my father had gear before people had gear in the oh, 80s. Wow. Had like, like the big, huge cameras that broadcasters used to have. We had those and we'd set them up on tripods and we'd like literally make music videos where we're lip syncing. To- <laughs> yes, that's that's what I did in the 80s. Too. That's the, so you so your dad was supportive of this? My dad was like never around. He was a nightclub owner. This is when we visited him because like my mom and my dad weren't together. So Mm. this is what we did for fun when no adult was around. We just, (laughs) just, Mm. yeah. 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 Now, was this in Toronto? Uh, No, this would have been in Ottawa and Hull. Yeah, no, Hull, if you know the area. Mm -hmm. How was hip hop received in that area growing up as you were getting into it more and more? It wasn't. Yeah. There were heads it was really underground um same thing i would argue for toronto uh i don't know when it became more of like i just felt like you had to have kind of like the secret passcodes and and know mm. what was going on and you didn't know what was going on from radio or television so you really had to be digging to know yeah um, for a long time in canada and then it changed uh, around 1997 bet came to canada I, I don't remember what time or when mtv did if it did but um that changed everything but before that there was a couple of like college radio shows there was um maybe an hour here and there on tv much music had like 30 minutes of rap a day and the mix on saturday which was nice or something but um but now nah, you really had to dig you really yeah for me it was magazines mostly that's cool was there any people like you know there's the run dmcs and others that you, you mentioned like more mainstream but were yeah. there like local artists or yeah. um maybe not even artists but just local Absolutely. people that inspired you and encouraged you to be like yeah you're dope keep on going i mean it depends on what what age we're talking about so yeah. when i was really young it was kish and maestro fresh west oh maestro fresh west okay yes yes maestro fresh west in the 80s was just i mean yeah i think for the longest time if not to date he sold the most rap records of a canadian artist for the longest time he had that record Oh wow. Um, wow. But Kish, I rhymed the world in 80 days. Shout out to Kish. He was like I used to bump him in grade five pulling up to elementary school. Um, for sure. Yeah. And, and then when I was a little bit older in Ottawa, like there was local heads that really looked out for me, like DJ Benjamin in Ottawa um would really look out for me. Um, he put me on the mic, he'd be DJing at a club. I was underage in the club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he'd be like rap every single week you know what i'm saying he'd give me the same beat hello cool j rock the bells and i'd uh <laughs> so yeah there was um i there was there's so there's numerous people but when i was really young these are the people that i remember and there's more yeah did you know like pretty early on like i'm doing this i'm gonna be doing this i was for really a long confident. time my siblings would tell you this and anybody that knew me i was really confident probably overly confident from a very <laughs> young age i was just like yeah like to me it was you couldn't tell me nothing like it was just like yeah, i'm dope and if you don't think i'm dope then there's something wrong with you it's actually like <laughs> now when i think about my confidence level i was like first of all it wasn't deserved and where did that come from i think i think i got it from my dad he just had a lot of yeah whatever that is but um but yeah no i, I think for the longest time since i was really young uh, i remember as soon as i started rapping i didn't want to do anything else so before i started rapping i was writing poetry i was singing i was writing songs like singing songs hmm. I started rapping. I all of that stuff, everything, dancing, all of that stuff. That's dope. That's yeah. super dope. What kind of dancing did you do? I I don't really know how to dance, but me and my <laughs> cousin, me and my cousin used to do these routines, like to Janet Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're kids, and we would like, and then and then all of our family and our aunts and our uncles, like if it was a holiday, say New Year's Eve or Christmas or something, they'd all gather around the living room and watch us do these dance routines to Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson. Um, but I actually did not know what I was doing at all. So I have a question about your music and then I want to kind of steer more into some other facets of your life and then come back around to your latest album free, which is really dope. Um, Yeah. But uh, musically speaking, like, do you, the reason why you made like music initially and the reason why you still make music has the reason changed over the years or maybe the motivation changed or has it been about the same? That's a good question. Uh, a little bit of both, column A and column B. I, I'd like to yeah. think it's changed. I want it to change because I don't know if the initial reason was good enough. Um, the initial reason was really like um, processing. It was like therapy. It was very, mm-hmm. I don't want to call it 
navel gazing, but it was very much like a way to, I mean, many of us use art forms and creativity for that purpose, you know, to take something negative and positively pro and process it in a way where it's a positive output. Um, and that was rhyming for me and, and writing, even before I wrote raps, that was writing for me, journaling mm -hmm. stories, and then it became rhymes. Um, and I was always a writer. Uh, and now it's like, well, I'm kind of sick of it just being about me processing my shit, you know, like I'm a little mm -hmm. too old for that. Not to say that I can't do that and I will, but I don't want to just do that. Um, and so, yeah, I would like to hope that like, you know, the almighty uses me for a higher purpose, but then maybe that is the purpose. Maybe there's other people relating to what I'm talking about. I, I, I struggle a lot. I talked to my husband about this a lot with feeling like whatever it is I'm thinking or have to say is even worthy or relevant now of being heard and he encourages me that it is um mm. yeah it's it's yeah there's a lot behind that but but I'm a little bit more I want to be more thoughtful and contemplative and challenge myself more now when I write instead of just being like okay what am I processing right now let me process it in a song you know yeah I yeah that. yeah that's cool I want to pause just for a second see pro uh, or Iomas if you have anything you want to jump in or Joe uh, before we switch subjects, Longshot texting me saying, "What up?" Ah, uh, what up, Longshot? He he was the one that really introduced me to Chicago hip hop. That yep, was I remember cool. that. Yep, yep, those are good memories. And I can't believe I didn't actually meet you because we're on a track together. I just assumed I was like, "Yeah, I met you," but then you were like, "I actually never met you." Nah, because yeah, you know, I was working. Well, I still am working. I was I work in healthcare, and I still do. So. Most of the time when when chat when Longshot was recording, he would record and everything he needed to do. And then I would be driving past the studio to go home and have to stop and drop my verses or track the beat out right. or whatever like I did. So he had that. I had tracked that beat for him already. Then okay. y'all laid it. Then he was like, I didn't know you. Was, I didn't even know. I hadn't heard of you before. And then he played it. And I was like, man, who the hell is that? He was like, that's this white chick from Canada. I was like, get out of here, man. This ain't no white girl. And he was like, yeah. I was like, man, she is dope. And um, then I was like, man, I appreciate letting me get on the song. I just was producing the joint. That The track was ridiculous. Your verse was ridiculous. That's a really good memory. That whole time in Chicago was such a great memory. How did you meet Longshot? Warp Tour, Vans Warp Tour. Okay. So I did Vans Warp Tour three years in a row. The years wow. that I think were... 2003, 2004, 2005. I would not recommend being a hip hop act on Warp Tour. It doesn't exist anymore, from what I hear. But it was hard. Yeah, was hard. Like I wanted to shoot a documentary on like how much people there at the time did not want hip hop on Vans Warp Tour. So shout really? out to Adverse and Code of the Cuts for doing it, anyways. Wow. We had the smallest tent, and we'd be competing with the biggest sound systems, like right beside our sound system, and it would all be punk rock, and we're like trying to rock. <laughs> ridiculous i used to call it going fish like nobody would be in your tent when you started your set and like i would go fishing i'd be like see how far the mic the, the mic cord stretches outside the tent and like just real people in and by the end see how many people were in there you know what i mean wow <laughs> yeah so, so they had hip-hop on it but they didn't want hip-hop on it i think that obviously the organizers thought it was it was a cool tent to have code of the cuts adverse um from detroit uh well she Detroit or Lansing. Anyways, um, she organized it. But but I think the people that attended, the kids, they were mostly teenagers. I, I, I was interviewing people because I was a journalism major. I was just like, yeah, so what do you think about hip hop at Vans Warped Tour? And nine out of 10 people would be like, that? Like, <laughs> we're not happy. You know what I mean? So it's like, I was going to do a whole documentary. But but yeah, no, it was good, though. It was good. It was, it was a boot camp for me. It was great. That's Every cool. tour after that was so much easier. Can you remember, Ryan, just about you were interviewing people? Unofficially. It was just my own footage. Like, I thought I'd put something together and I never did. But yeah, I, I was a journalism. I am a journalism major. And so I thought, let me just do a little documentary here. But we never finished it. Well, Are you still a journalism major now? Well, I graduated. Yeah. Well, okay. I figured you graduated. It is something yeah. that I have. I have a degree in broadcast journalism. Oh, I got you. Oh, okay. okay. That's, dope. Mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's dope. cool. That's what I went to school for. Have a degree in. Yeah. Really, it's just because I'm I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions, so I'm like, how can I get paid to ask a lot of questions? And that's yeah. Did you find that the skills that you learned in having that degree were very helpful in just like all Absolutely. facets of your life? Absolutely. 
which yeah. is why I always encourage people to go to school. I'm like, even if you don't get a job and what you went to school for, I promise you just the process of doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about higher learning, just the process of doing it is going to be worth its weight in gold and whatever you do. Yeah. 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 I found the studying journalism was so helpful because it's just like, it prepared me and how to present myself and how to like look at people. And just like, there was just so many skills that I've taken with me, you know, everywhere. Especially in the world of entertainment and hip hop and music industry. It's like, yeah, it's like one side and the other. You just know how to do both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to switch mm -hmm. gears here just a little bit because you had um, some music that you were putting out dope. And then there was a gap uh, of time where maybe 10 years, 11 years or so. And during that time, I'm curious to know what was happening. What were you doing and, and what was happening in your life? Yeah. You're referring to after at last before free. I assume those yes. were two. Yes. Um, what was happening in my life? There was like, I don't even know how to summarize that. There was a lot happening, but if I was going to summarize it in like a really short way, I'd say God was humbling me. Mm. That's what I would say in a short form. Mm. But I think that um, I had like maybe developed an unhealthy relationship with my career and with hip hop and what it meant for mm. me in terms of like validation and identity and purpose and just how much it meant to me. And it hip hop was good to me. The culture was good to me. God was good to me. It's not like, you know, but I think that I needed a reset, a little bit of recalibration. And somebody, I forget the quote, but somebody had said something like, oh, my 20s are this, my 30s are this, my 40s were that. My 30s were like just um, a lot of inward work that mm -hmm. was not visible to the world and wasn't cool or successful or popular, nothing you could brag about. But I think there was a lot of work going on inside of my heart and my soul and my mind and that was that's what was happening in that time i'd say and i yeah. also did a whole bunch of cool fun stuff but that was the main thing yeah that's cool and then w at what point you had kids at some point was that more recent yeah so that would have been like technically the end kind of of those 10 years okay um, yeah yeah that's more recent so i have a i have a four-year-old and i have a two-year-old i think <sighs> You have your hands beautiful full. kids, beautiful <laughs> yes, kids. Thank yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I saw them on Instagram today. Yeah, very beautiful. Yeah, thank you. They yeah. look like a lot of fun. They're fun but, right now. They're fun. They're yeah. Fun. What was that transition like from you know doing Hard. so much music to being a parent? Hard. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you think you want something and you're prepared for something. It was. I mean. I assume it's like this for, I assume it's hard for everybody, but maybe when you're older and you have kids, it's even harder because you've been, I view everything like organically like plants. And so it's like, if you're like a young little seedling sapling, and then like you learn to live life with someone else, you kind of grow together. But if you're like this oak tree, you know what I'm saying? And you're thick and you're wide and you're deep, and then you got to learn to do life with other people is different. And that's how I feel. I feel like I was like this oak tree that um, yeah, I think that it took me at least three, if not four years to feel like I'm okay with being a parent in a way. Mm. It was a, it was a struggle for the first, at least three years, if not four years. Was the struggle more about like uh, issues around identity or was it more of just like, this is nuts. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, you know, I'm up late at night. It's just like physically draining or a little bit of both. Yeah, both. I think I think I felt like I, I am a good mom and I can be a good mom. I, I, I didn't question myself as a mom. I yeah. think like identity, ego, um, being a wife was hard because I think I'm mm. really good at doing one thing at a time. And so I'm like, I could be a good mom, but I can't be expected to also be a good wife. <laughs> like, I think like that's way too much. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah. that was like a mind F for me. Um yeah, I think there was a lot tied into it. Uh, also, the lack of sleep, I'm sure, and and um, oh, yeah. and and your world being so. I'm very much like a connected community person. My social calendar was always full, and people are like my currency of choice. I don't even mean to liken people to currency, but the thing that matters the most to me in life. And so, just going from that to like, like your world yeah. really small. That was that was tough too. Going from feeling empowered and having agency to feeling like you don't have much of any, like all that kind of stuff was tied in. Yeah. I remember having kids and making a conscious decision that I'm just not going to go to any hip hop shows. I'm just not doing it. I, I will do it again in time later on. But right now it's just, it's just too, too hard to go to these shows late at night. How long, then, how long was that happening? Like the, where you just didn't. Oh, it's still happening. <laughs> my, my kids are eight <laughs> and 12 oh, and wow. it's, it's still happening, but you know, I just, I, I just gave myself permission to be like, 
the the hip hop world is going to be just fine if I don't go to these shows. You know, it's going to be fine. And I can go. I, I heard I heard something similar. Somebody was like, I just said to all my friends, like, see you in 10 years. And I was like, yeah. that is not, I was like, that is unacceptable. Like, I was just like, in my mind, I was like, that's completely unacceptable. Like, I can't do that. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah it's realistic actually yeah yeah oh for sure i know uh i know joe and profound you know the struggle man i was just oh, getting yeah. ready to, i was getting ready to ask because i know all of us except for uh brother marcus uh have children but you know he has i'm not having those kids bro <laughs> <laughs> man it's because of us he ain't having that's why y'all named it. He, bro that's the thing kids, bro that's the thing, sis. I wanted to ask you because when we did that song back, that was like what 2007, 2006, something like that. I had really small children then. Mm-hmm. And then it was hard to balance that out because not only was I still heavily active in, you know, recording and all in and out of the state, also doing healthcare. I also lived like an hour or so of more than an hour away from where the studio was. So doing that, trying to balance that, trying to make sure you got enough rest to even make it home and not fall asleep on the road. I'm, I just, my question to you is, do you find, do you find, do you feel if you're dedicating time to a song, do you feel like you're taking away from time with the children? I go through that. That's why I'm just wondering, do is that something you deal with? So I kind of have the opposite problem. Um, that's everything's a complicated question and answer to me, but I think my husband would probably relate more, Mr. Liff. Um, I think he would relate more to what you just said about like when he has to go out and make money and work, whether it be touring or whether it be his real estate career he feels like, man, this is robbing me of time with my family. I'm the other side of the spectrum where like 99.999% of my time is with the kids. So I'm just like, anytime I can break out, I'm just like, deuces, don't miss them, have no shame. It's like, like, I'm just like, like there was no, there was no robbing me of time with my children because my main job presently, and it is an honor and a privilege and a privilege that some people can't afford. Yeah. My main job is being with them. 24 7 like when he goes on tour and he always says he's really blessed to have a wife that's an MC, so she understands because like i'm like yo you get to rock a stage go do that you know what i mean but when he goes on tour i'm with them i'm solo parenting i solo parent um you know i don't know what a fair amount is but you know I- i'm always with them so when i get time away from them which is rare ish i don't feel that way at all <laughs> that's and, a good I- one. and i feel like parenting is like the one like anything else like any job or like any other situation that provides so much like lack of sleep and frustration and you know disappointment and all these huge emotions anything else like when you when you share it with people people are like oh man that's terrible i feel so bad for you but with parenting it's almost like people shame you because you're (laughs) having a a, you know because you're frustrated you know i i used to have to quantify things in ways that made sense not only for other people but validated my own feelings so i was like Yo, like, this is the one thing I used to always say. I'm like, if you were a French fry flipper at McDonald's, you would have breaks, you'd have a lunch and you'd go home and have a normal life and go to sleep. And then you'd wake up and then you do an eight hour shift. I'm like, even the French fry flippers at McDonald's have are given more human decency and expected to have breaks than we are. Like, I'm just like, like, mm. compare me to that person and give me the same decency and respect and dignity that you've given them. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, no diss to the French fry flippers. I'm just saying like the most basic jobs, they are expected to have breaks. And yeah. this is not a basic job. It's actually a very complex job. And, and yeah, yeah. The no thing is definitely there's, there's labor loss for them. There's no labor loss for parents. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what we that's need. What comes, that's what it comes down to, basically. Yeah, right? we need some so labor loss for parents. My labor laws. <laughs> that's hilarious. You you mentioned Mr. Liff. Uh, I'm curious, and I'm a big fan of Mr. Liff as well. And I'm uh, curious to know what it's like, you know, being married to to another, you know, very creative, very brilliant, you know, artist. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still. Um, kind of wrapping my head around that a bit Mm. uh, what it's like uh he we're very different and we complement each other Mm. um I think we probably take for granted the fact that there's certain things that we understand because we're both artists and stuff like touring or 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 what you need to create a song or be creative or like you know not to interrupt someone if they're writing a rap or whatever like that's the simple shit but I think um on on a greater level what it's like to be married to him specifically is like he's kind of like this visionary outside the box thinker 
um, whether it's music or other stuff, whether it's just life. And so it's just like, he dreams so big and he makes stuff happen. And he's really much like, if something's not working for me, I'm not doing it. Like, and that includes mm-hmm. things like, uh, just things that most people think are just a part of life. He's just going to be like, no, nah, that ain't going to be a part of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. just like break outside this box, um, whether it be living in the US or working five days a week or like, well, you name it, like whatever it is. He's like, nope, don't work for me. And so I think he's allowed me to think a lot more expansively. And like, because yeah. I've always been kind of like, maybe I'm looking six months ahead, max, like maybe like not even a year. Like I'm always just like day to day. I'm a day to day person and things get done, you know, but I'm very much more day to day, moment to moment. And he's very big picture. And so I don't know if that's because, yeah, we're both creatives. Um, and I think before we even had children, we, we we had this really serious conversation about how like we just wanted to live a little bit outside the box of, of what's expected of us is like just what is deemed the paradigms that are deemed as normal. Yeah. We didn't want to live in those paradigms. Just specifically when it comes to like work-life balance and um, like, you know, we're really, uh, one of my main priorities in our family and his too is like cultivating stillness and presence, like mm-hmm. having a significant amount of time to not be constantly in the, in the, in the rat race or the hamster wheel or just doing, doing, doing or producing, producing, producing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah speaking of, of, of uh, being outside the box, I, I heard an interview with you where you talked about uh, doing residencies and like creating your own residency. Yeah. And I I think for a lot of folks, my perception is for a lot of folks here in the States, we don't fully understand residencies like some other countries do. So can you, can you, have you done a residency before? Uh, I think I've applied to do them like I know but no I don't remember actually doing one I know a lot of people that have like a lot of my peers have and then Lyft has actually I forget what country he did it in for like however many months but yeah it's it's when you 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 um, are invited to a specific place um, usually it's finance usually you get some sort of funding or you get a grant or whatever and you're invited to be in one place where you're like kind of free of distractions, um, usually a different country or a different city or a different, you know, in, in Canada, Banff is the place where everyone likes to go do residencies. Okay. And um, which is kind of like, I don't know, going to wherever that ski hill is in Colorado, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like or something would be like doing a residency in Aspen. And, um, and uh, yeah, you just like are free of distractions. You have this beautiful, usually you have some beautiful equipment, some beautiful studios, maybe some other artists around you and you just create. And like, that's all you do, you know? Um, and maybe at the end, you present your songs that you did. That, that's what I understand of residencies. Obviously, if it's a uh, visual artist, it's different or whatever, but right. that's my limited understanding of residencies, yes. Yeah, I, f- I feel like in the interview, you talked about like just creating one and not like yeah. applying for one. How, uh, yeah, can you talk more about that? Have you thought about that more? So it was inspired by um, Lyft went to, I forget what country in South America, but he ran into Bjorg and her crew. Mm. And they had, I mean, she's huge. She can probably do whatever she wants, right. but they were just picking a certain venue in a certain town and whatever country they were in, in South America and like hanging out for like a month or two. And like once a week, she just show up all her gear stayed there and it didn't move. Like they didn't even do any other shows in that, in that. And they would just um, stay, pick one place to stay and cultivate relationship with and do shows. And he was just like, wouldn't it be great if instead of us bouncing around and like touring, we just could stay in one place and like cultivate like a, a regular something. And so I think that's what came out of it. Like me and him talking about uh, picking certain places to live for like maybe two, three, four, I mean, six months, whatever at a time. And really saying what what kind of mark can we make musically here, whether it be creating with local producers or, or doing local shows or both. And um, I think we're kind of about to do that in Berlin. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's super dope. I have one more Mr. Lift question for you yeah. uh, before we go to something else. Do you have a favorite or, or maybe not a favorite Mr. Lift album, but just an album from him that you're like, yeah, this one. I really like yeah. this one. This one really um, me. It's interesting you say that because some I'm more familiar with than others, but I yeah. heard today um, was an album that I only became familiar with, like basically kind of when we got together, which is way late. Like I didn't listen to it when it came out. But then when I started listening to it, when we got together, I was like, this album is like, I don't know if it was slept on or not. I just know that like the kind of hip hop that I love, the kind of beats that I love, the kind of urgency that I love, the um, even like for lack of a better word, like the hardness or I don't know what, like, I don't know how to describe it, but just Philly, he was staying in Philly when he made I Heard It Today. And you can hear that. Uh, like yeah, it, it is a yeah. different, it's sonically a different kind of record because of where he was and what he was dealing with. And 
um, yeah, I, I mean, I love all his records and they're all really have beautiful moments at, at different times. Like Don't Look Down is really, um, it makes you feel, you know, mm. if you just want a journey. But but I heard it today is like, if you just want to like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic album. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, before we talk more about your music and this album Free, uh, Pro, Iron mm-hmm. Mastro, anything else you want to chime in on before we jump into yeah, this album? I, I noticed that uh, I think there's a similar dynamic for between all of us who are, are um, parents and uh, spouses is that I think we're all in interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Let me find out. I think that's true. Iomas, Iomas is not. Iomas is not. Yeah. But, he but I'm talking about either. those who are parents. No, sir. I got a black, <laughs> I got, my, my, my wife is a black queen, brother. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. My, my wife is. Indian. But ain't nothing wrong with interracial relationships. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's so I was just, I was just going to ask, you know, how have you, uh, how has that been for you navigating, you know, an interracial relationship and where you live and things like that and that dynamic? I think that I'm really blessed and and I speak obviously from a position of privilege. Um, I think I'm really blessed to be in places typically where, like living with him in places where it's not, it's actually kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, like the people around us, you know what I'm saying? The people we know. In Toronto, I'm a part of an artist co-op. That's where I live in an artist co-op. And everybody is like everything, you know, um, 80, 80 units in one building. And you had to be an artist to get into the building. Um, so that's where we live in Toronto. And it's just um, so we're blessed by that. Um, I think that I'm always aware, though, when I travel, like I'm always looking for kids that like, uh, you know, to us, obviously, diversity and, and multicultural, like just make up even in the playground. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was like, yo, like when we were in the Bay, I was like, every kid in the Bay in the playground was mixed. Like every mm. kid. And I was mm. just like, ooh, this is like mixed kid heaven over here. Like, <laughs> um, it's not like everyone has to be mixed. It's just, I want to see diversity. And so that's something my eyes are always on, especially at this point. It's less about me and him and seeing mm. other couples that look like us, but more about um, our kids, not just honestly, just our kids, not just being around just like, just white kids that makes me a little concerned but but that's just like you know that's just an eye that I have for that yeah sometimes if you want to live in a nice neighborhood depending on what country you're in or if you want to like whatever like you end up all of a sudden it like gets more whitewashed and that's a a serious concern that I have because yeah I mean it's so funny because I just want to say this Liff and I were raised stereotypically like the stereotype of like what someone would be raised like we're like the opposite you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like he had a mom and dad, dad that stayed together and like he like they worked their butts off and he went to private school since he was like little, 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 like they paid for him to go to like the best schools. And he was like around like everyone was supposed to go to Ivy League. They graduated from his really expensive high school. And and so like he had like certain he was around privilege. And mm. I, on the other hand, was not. And so I'm probably less comfortable around privilege than he is and so like we switch hats a lot and like I'm just like like that's very interesting yeah it's it's really interesting so like we go to church and I love church but like our church I'm always looking for the diversity in our church and I'm like yo like if we're just in a room like you know what I'm saying and everybody looks the same I'm like this is kind of concerning to me and like you know and he's more comfortable <laughs> with it it's just it's funny but yeah yeah, yeah. well thank yeah, you I, for sharing that yeah yeah and I can't I, does, does lift get into church because of me because of you yeah just because like listening me. like thinking back i know his music i know like, i know i, no, see I, would raise, I no, you're absolutely right i was raised in the church and the church that we go to is is not you know your typical um i guess stereotype and i think he really rocks with the pastor and thinks he's cool but that's cool. But yeah you're right it, is it, it like non-denominational or um I do go to non-denominational churches in Toronto, but no, this one, we were all over the place. This one's not non-denominational. I want to okay. say, yeah, it's, it's a Christian church, but, but uh, everyone's young and kind of more understanding the cultural, like just what's happening today mm. as opposed to like old and out of touch. And like, you know, the pastor's younger than us and a hip hop head and like grew up listening to Lyft and like Sage Francis and okay. like, like New England cats. Like he's just like, you know, he's a musician, he's a head and, mm. um, yeah yeah there's a bunch of pastors out there now that are hip-hop heads like from time like 20 30 years hip-hop heads so wow so yeah it's a whole different world now when it comes to church that's cool that's cool that's cool i'm I'm sure all these heads know about your album free uh, (laughs) that came out not too long ago was it 2021 i want to say 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Crazy, um, crazy year. Yeah, and you I, you <laughs> got a grant to do this album. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Most of my albums in Canada. Thank you, Canada. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's just it's very rare. Like we don't talk about that in the states. But yeah. At least I never hear anyone talking about that. You know, it's just a, it's almost like a foreign concept uh, to folks here in the states. So can you break that down a little bit before we get into the album? Of like, why 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 can you get grants to make albums? It's such a beautiful thing. Uh, well, shout yeah. out to yeah, shout out to Ontario Arts Council who gave me a little bit of money for the record. And Fat Beats, who also like topped that up. Um, but um, in Canada, we don't have the infrastructure. There's more people in the state of California than there is in all of Canada. And so there's not really the infrastructure musically, and especially I'd argue for hip hop uh, artists um, to really support ourselves like financially, either on our own or through labels that are going to infuse like the projects with some sort of like upfront money. Um, so if it wasn't for the government actually setting aside funds to finance the arts, the idea is that the arts would not um, survive or be able to thrive alongside larger markets like American markets. Um, so, so yeah. And then there's this concept called CanCon, Canadian Concept. Um, so on our TV and on our radio, and now I guess maybe podcasts or whatever, um, you have to have 40% like Canadian content offered if you're like a Canadian broadcaster. And that's really difficult if people aren't making music because there's no infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So it's like they kind of have to, you know, if, if, if they're going to demand 40% Canadian content, they also have to, which by the way, once Drake came along, it was a wrap. It was just like, all right, we can do this 40%. <laughs> <laughs> with one artist alone but like but before that it was like you really had to um yeah you know you it was cool so and it still is and and over the years actually every project i've ever done has but I, yeah every project i've ever done has been a grant yeah good for me because i'm one of those people i'm like in school i was like the keener you know what i'm saying like front of the class with my hand up always so for me having a grant means the album will get done because i don't want to let someone else down mm. But if I had my own deadlines that were just mine and like no other external motivation, it, it might not happen. So yeah. I think grants are why I get albums done. Yeah, that's dope. That's super dope. I, I really appreciate uh, Canada for having that value, you know, valuing arts like that. Me too. So, so with that, do they put restrictions on you? Like what you got to talk about? Like, mm. is there restrictions on there? Like, can you, you know what I mean? Can you be free to really talk about like if it's some issues that exist in Canada or like in Toronto, is it is it like restrictions or things you can and cannot say? I haven't experienced that. Um, okay. I'm not saying that other, I don't know if other artists have. I think the restrictions that they put on things are more so like how you spend your money, where you spend your money, who you spend it on. It has to be oh, on Canadian. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you can't give, the money that they give you, you can't give to Americans. So it's like, it has to be Canadians um and from engineers to producers to features to whatever you can have american features on your record but you can't pay them with the canadian grant money you know what i'm saying mm. um so there's stuff like that that they care about um and then there's some grant bodies that are more particular about like how many followers you have you have and how big you are and other ones are more about the actual creative arc versus like commerce um so there's those kind of things that you have to know your audience when you write a grant but um, and obviously when you write the grant, they do care. Like your pitch and your proposal has to be kind of in line with, um, I guess what they think is relevant at the time. Um, but but I just keep it. I, my my, in life I've just been like I, I'm not here to bend myself backwards for someone else. I just keep it honest and real and simple. You know, when I was in school, it was like the dopest thesis statement was one that was easily proven. Like you don't have to like reinvent the wheel. It's like very specific. And when I write grants, it's the same thing. It's like, let's just keep this simple and clear and everyone can imagine what the project is and that's what it is. And yeah, so so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's dope. it's a good question. Yeah. It did, it's good that it, they don't restrict what you could say though. Yeah. I'm sure that in this day and age, because things have changed a <laughs> lot, Lord, uh, I'm sure that there is something going on now with that and grants and, 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 you know, what you say, but I haven't experienced that yet. Gotcha. I've also become probably less. Yeah. I, I yeah. Maybe I'm not that dangerous. <laughs> so ignorant, man. I'm imagining the United States giving dead prayers a grant. 
Right. Right. <laughs> right. They'll be like, what? Yeah, no, this? but y'all coming at us like, no, like yeah, we're gonna, we, you're going to have to pay that grant back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the interest. And we want that money back, dog. Yeah. So you have to ask that exact same question you asked me to some other cats in Canada. Yeah. That is the envelope a bit and see what they say. <laughs> so in writing this grant, did you, Rail McCoy, did all the production on the right. album, yeah? Okay. Was he written into the grant or did yeah. he come later? Actually, um, okay, uh, Moss was originally how I got oh. the grant. It was me and Moss. It was our comeback record after at last we were going to do, and I had tracks. I had written to a bunch of them. It was really, I won't say the album was done, but I'd say it was like a good 60% when I applied. Um, but then Moss was unable to kind of actually continue the project. And I tried for a while and I tried for a while and I tried for a while and it just wasn't budging. And so then I asked Moss how he would feel first if I switched to Rel. And then I asked Rel how he would feel. And then Moss and Rel actually met up and they kind of like had a little like passing of the baton, like peace huh. moment, like met up in person because they both live close to each other in Brampton or they did. Dope. And then and then I, I wrote the grant body and asked them. And, and that's a tough thing to switch a producer for an entire project. But I just kind of made the pitch that um like you know it was still in line sonically and the themes would still be the same and the content would still be the same it's just yeah and and so yeah. we were able to switch which was good it was a stressful time at the time but then it worked yeah now i, I want to ask you about the stress but moss is that do you know if that's the same producer that did a, a an album with cool g rap yes that's the same okay i yeah i, th I thought the sound had a similar oh, yeah. sound to oh, it yeah. so yeah that's yeah. The, yeah he's dope he's super His dope catalog is ridiculous he's a genius yeah yeah so you mentioned it was stressful. Was the the making of the music stressful or was it just like other yeah. external things going on? Yeah, both, man. That yeah. was the toughest record for me to make. It took the longest, mostly because I had like I was pregnant twice during the making of that record. Mm, I yeah. did. Um uh I had cancer, you know, during that record. We moved oh, no. all the time. Like we moved, I moved five times in like two or three years. Um, I, you know, COVID happened during the making of that record um like it was just everything that i hated the process of making that record so much and a big part of that was because i was making it on my own in like this little isolated bubble i was barely even in the studio with anybody else ever even yeah. we, we we got together at the very end for like five days but most of it was digital and and i'm not used to creating music that way and, and it was so painstakingly hard for me mm. Which is why it was really beautiful that once the album came together and the only time I really started noticing this was when Merciless and shout out to Rel, the music was incredible. He is a genius. But yeah, when so Merciless started mixing it is when I noticed that it was so cohesively, like sonically cohesive. And yeah. I, that was a miracle to me because I was like, yo, if you saw how we pieced that record together, I don't know how it was sonically cohesive. Like, mm. I mean, yes, I had the same producer, but it, it was born out of a lot of, and in fact, when we marketed the record or did the promo for it, uh, you know, the dude that marketed the record and, and, and you know, he did his best and he plugged it through the channels that he plugs things through. But I think that the real heart and soul of that record was kind of lost because it was like I was pregnant, like fully, like almost third trimester when the record dropped. You know, I literally was living with cancer when the record dropped. Like there was just so much going on that would have made for interesting conversations and interviews that just yeah. kind of got swept under the rug. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was tough, and and it was really tough, and it it was I was glad I saw it through, and and honestly, it's probably my favorite record I think I've ever made. It's Lyft's favorite record I've ever made, and I think that the least amount of people heard it, and I know some people heard it. Thank you for listening, but I, I think a lot more people could hear it. Man, that that's a story. You yeah. you had cancer, two pregnancies, yeah, five times. Fully, hugely pregnant, dropping the record, like huge. <laughs> in, in a pandemic. And there's more yeah. too in there. COVID, don't forget COVID. Right, yeah, yeah, the pandemic, yeah. Lost oh one gosh. producer, got another producer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You ever thought about so it, I made right? the album free because I wanted to be feel free making the record. Yeah. I don't know if I actually achieved it. I think it was more like the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? I don't know if we actually felt free making the record. But. Yeah. How's your health now? Great. Oh, good. good. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. That's very, and you're not pregnant and not pregnant and the cancer's gone. Cancer's so. gone and you're not moving. Well, you might be moving uh, to Germany, we, right? <laughs> you know what you said? Germany? We like the, yeah, we, we were on the road a lot, but yeah. 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 But you're a, a stranger to that. 
Yeah. Sounds like you're in a better place though. Yes. Yes. More free. You feel more free. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. asking. Yes. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Do you have a favorite city in Germany? What's what your favorite city is? Do you have a favorite city in Germany? Well, I mean, Berlin's the one where most of our peoples are. And it's okay. just like, so kind of, I mean, it's just a, it's a world-class city. Um, it is. Uh, but, but I, I don't know if I've seen the other cities enough to be able to say, okay, this is, you know, this is why I like Berlin the most. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've spent time in Berlin and in Frankfurt. Um, yeah. I and? like both. Yes. I need to get to know the other cities more. So I can't answer that question until I get to know the other cities more. Got yeah. it. <laughs> So thinking about the album Free, is there a song that you, you feel like kind of um, kind of describes all of that stuff that was going on in your life, like describes all that or, or matches that that feeling the best? I mean, they all touch on it from different aspects. I think the one that kind of summarizes, well, nah, they all touch on different aspects. None of them really... Yeah. Yeah, cover it all. But there's sure. definitely aspects of each of those things in different songs for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a song on there that you re- like? You really like? Like even today when yeah. you go back, you're like, yeah, this is my joint. Uh, kind of all of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's but, what you're supposed to say right there. No, yes. no, no. That's actually not my usual. Usually with <laughs> records, I have my favorites and I have the... No. But with this one, it's actually crazy that I actually like... It. As artists, I know you guys know this, there's like this thing that you hear in your head when you're making a song and it's what you want it to sound like. And oftentimes mm-hmm. what ends up happening isn't necessarily what you heard in your head. And then you kind of surrender to the fact that, okay, this is what the song is. Um, but with this record, 99% of what I heard in my head is how it ended up sounding. And that was like <laughs> such a gift to me. Um, Cause it's really rare actually. Um, usually when I listen to my old records, there's so much stuff that I, I don't like about them. Yeah. That's cool. Fault of anyone else, mostly just me. Like I don't like the way I delivered that. I don't like, you know. But with this record, it's mostly what I wanted it to sound like, and um, I really directed it. I really like co-produced that shit for real. Um, Production isn't like made the beats, but production isn't like the vision. And um, and so yeah. But okay, one of my favorites is Home. (laughs) Love Home. Yes. With Chad and his wife Sheil is on it. Oh, dope. Um, first time they ever jumped on a track together, by the way. Oh, she's, really? Yeah, she's more like, I don't know, I don't know if you'd call her a folk singer, but she's definitely a beautiful voice and up and coming. And first time they'd ever done a track together was the track that they did with me. Yeah. And um, I love, man, there's so many joints I love in there. But yeah, Home is one from 99, makes a lot of mm. people tear up. Um, I think it captured an essence and a spirit that is really hard to capture on a record. And I think it actually like put put it in a bottle of new york city in 1999 in the indie rap scene i think it bottled that experience really well for people because anybody that was there that hears that song is like oh man like i had tears in my eyes it took me there uh-huh. so so that's a good one too but there's so many and and rel is a genius i can't talk about the record without talking about how much of a genius he is he's just yeah yeah yeah, he's he's super dope on the mic and you know on the, yes. on the beats too yeah yeah that from 99 i i re- you mentioned this about the cohesiveness. That's one thing I always appreciate about albums that I like is how cohesive they are. I, I like albums that have that feel and this definitely has a feel throughout it. Yeah. Um, and having Wordsworth on that from 99 joint, that's yeah. Wordsworth is the man. So Action, right? yeah, he's just so, I, I he's just so talented with the wordplay it's just amazing you know he's yeah. so smooth he's with a it good human being too which which yeah that's another thing too is i promised myself after at last that i just only wanted people on my records that i i would hang with in real life yeah that's dope you know, because that wasn't the case on at last and so like um yeah that was really important to me yeah. that people that i work with sonically are people that are my peoples yeah another highlight is uh let no drink fall the last i think that's the yeah. last song i really like i so, thought that was a great way to end the album you know you scenario. know it's funny you say that because first of all that's rel's i want to say that's rel's favorite track number one and second yeah. i was going to put that as the first track on the record oh. it was going to be the oh i wrote it in my mind as it being the opening track like whole yeah. life change, but you think i'm going to sound the same like it was going to be the opening track and then it was actually lift lift was the only one who walked alongside me on this record other than rel but lift probably had a lot more weigh in with certain things just because he was always listening to it and always in my face every day and he was the one that was like, no, nah, you got to set it off with From 99. He's like, you can't, yeah. you can't do Let No Dream Fall. You got to do From 99. And, and we argued about it. I was like, no, yeah. 
but it worked out really well. I'm glad that he helped me with the track listing. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think that could work as a first track too, though, but right. I, I like it as the final track, like cool. leaves you on this like inspiring note, you know? Thank so you. yeah. Yeah. Dope. Dope album. If you're, uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about, the album is yeah. free. Yeah. And if you've not heard the album, you need to go get it. Uh, it's by Eternia and Rel McCoy. And on is it on vinyl? I feel it like it's is. on vinyl. It's on vinyl. has a bunch of copies ready for you to buy. Yes. So where can they find where can they find the vinyl? I mean, um, if you go to my Instagram, so at the real Eternia and you click on my link tree, you'll find it there right at the okay. top. Um, but you could also just Google or go to fatbeats.com. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Make sure you get that. Of course you can stream it, but why stream it when you can buy it? and support the artist physical copy yes like butterscotch vinyl too it's so nice oh nice yeah That's so cool. make sure you get that it's free it, well i mean the album's not, not free, free. But it's called it's free, free. <laughs> that's what eclipse said too eclipse did the dopest i have to say this he did the dopest like retrospect mixtape for me before the album came out yeah it was like when i die i want them to play this mixtape at my funeral and on it he's like <laughs> it's not free you got to pay for it yeah. <laughs> but it's called free it's called free yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. Uh, fellas, uh, pro Joe, Iomas, anything, um, you want to get in here before we celebrate some, some dope hip hop albums with Eternia? Mm-mm, no, let's celebrate them albums. <laughs> I did have, uh, I did have a yeah. couple of questions. Sure. Um, Jump. You, cool. I think you quasi touched on this earlier, but do, do you do any producing at all? Or is it just strictly vocals? Strictly vocals. Okay. Um, definitely have a very strong opinion about everything. Okay. (laughs) From mixing to mastering to cuts to you know everything, I'm definitely um, you know the executive. So you're you're puffy producer hat I wear, (laughs) but I don't make the beats, and I I don't have interest in making beats. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, And the other question is, is how did you come up with your name? It kind of found me. It's so funny because if I had a chance to rewind time and do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have landed on the name (laughs) Journey. It was like um. So the real story is in 1995, you could get a Hotmail account. And my brother was like, well, what do you want your at Hotmail.com to be? This is when everybody did Hotmail. And I was like, and we came up with Eternia because we loved He-Man. And it was just like, <laughs> I thought so. Okay, I knew it. Yeah, I, I knew it. Like, I knew it. I knew it. I, was I was like, just there had like, to be center- a He-Man reference. Yeah, of course. And I was just like center of the universe. What else am I going to call myself? I was like a teenager <laughs> and I just thought I was the center of the universe. And then my my rap name was Mothership. And I was a part of demigods. So like apathy and all that oh. and uh, in the 90s. And every single time I'd meet people, they were like, well, how do we get in touch with you? And I'd be like, here's my email. And I'd write down attorney at Hotmail. And they'd be like, yo, this is a way doper name than Mothership. So like after a couple of years, it became my rap name because basically by vote of the people. Mm. <laughs> and that's how that's it happened. So yeah, wow. That's so dope. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Any any last questions? All right. Okay. So we like to play this little game. Well, it's not really a game. It's a, it's a challenge. All right. It's a challenge called One Word. And uh, my man Profound put together this little intro for it. And in the intro, it's going to ask you if you uh, will accept the challenge. So listen carefully and let's see. If you know I it. suck at these, right? It's going to accept the challenge. <laughs> I have anxiety right now. <laughs> all right, here, here's if this here's, is a test, I am going to fail. It's all right. It's all right. Here's here here's a little intro for it. Okay, party people in the house. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. In this portion of the show. We'll show an assortment of hip-hop albums and challenge our guests to describe them in one word or less. Do you accept the challenge? Yeah. Oh, she accepts the challenge. All right. I thought oh, maybe... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. One word or less. If it's not one word and it's less, it's no words, bro. Like, what are you... Really, bro? <laughs> yeah, because so, I, I, the whole... It's not yeah, no, like, it's not that it, the whole thing is nobody can ever do it with just one word. Yeah. Okay. I was just. Uh, I, see how I, can do. I just I just <laughs> love when Pro sent me that that intro. <laughs> <laughs> and he said one word or less. Yeah. My whole my heart was my heart was doing this. I was like, oh god. <laughs> Emotes right. don't count. Hey, man, <laughs> nonverbal cute. 
<laughs> okay, USA. <laughs> All right. The first one for one word is Philadelphia Half Life by the Roots. Yeah, one word is hard. Oh my gosh. Okay, I got this. You can do it. We believe in you. The first word that came to mind is critical. Mm-hmm. Critical. Okay. You did it. You got that's one word. Why critical though? Critical listening, critical content, um, mm-hmm. critical for being a hip hop head, um, critical in my own personal life and like how it pivoted me um with the way I hurt that just what hip hop was to me at the time. Um a critical change for them because the record before was so different. Um yeah. they got more critical, if that makes sense. When I say critical, I mean like just more on their craft. Um, and I, and I love, do you want more, but it's just very different. Um, so, so yeah, just critical listening. That's just, it's critical a whole bunch of ways. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right. We mentioned rest in peace to Malik B man. man. boy. Yeah. He was dope. Next album. uh, We, we, uh, chatted about it a little bit already. This is, I heard it today Uh... by Mr. Leth. (laughs) <laughs> that's cool you pulled that one up um <laughs> i mean hard is the word i came up with hard hard yeah and the reason why i say that is i guess in relation to his other releases to me this was like just like kind of like a hard boom bap record like it it, it was it hits hard mm. the content is hard it, it's it's um it, yeah, it's just, it, this is what it is for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I heard it today is. And so I come up with the word hard. Hard, yeah, I like that. It is a hard album. All right, I'm going to give you a little break. I'm going to go to uh, Pro, Joe, and Ile Moss first. I was on a roll. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this, you might you, you might need some help on this. Or not help. You might need some time on this one. This is a really dope album. This is Black Star. All right, Pro. Let's give Eternia some time to think. What's your one word? Uh, ah, you fail. So. <laughs> <laughs> go to IO. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say vibes. Vibes. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Excellent. I'm a little more harder on the co-host, so don't worry, Tony. We won't do this to you. <laughs> I'm not worried. IO Moss, you have a word? Lord. <laughs> That's all you gotta say. We know yeah. what you're talking about. Yes, that's yes, my I love joint, boy. Yeah, what? man. Yeah, man, uh, that's dope. That's dope. fire. All right. that fire, fire, G. Yeah, it was. All right, Eternity, what what you got? This word came to me the quickest out of all of them. Game changer. Mm, game changer. Okay, hyphenated one word. Um, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I, I was in New York City a lot uh, around the time that that album dropped, and also afterwards. And um, in New York City, that record was a game changer. If you were like in hip hop in New York City at that time, it was like before that album and after that album. I think it really signified um, just um, uh, the whole indie rap scene in New York City. I, I wouldn't say it was spearheaded by Black Star because also Co Flow and Def Jux and all that. And, um, you know, but just like the whole Fondalum, Def Jux, you know, um, Lyricist Lounge, like it was just like the raucous that- era. Yeah, man, the raucous era, like that album, Black Star, was a game changer. And maybe, I don't know how people feel about it that lived outside of New York City, but if you were in New York City at the time that that record dropped and around that time, it was just, uh, it was before that and after that to me. Word, word. I want to do- Any thoughts on the, the sophomore album? Just curious. Oh, yeah. I have not properly taken it in to give you thoughts on that record, and I'm embarrassed okay. to say that, but I'm going to be honest. Okay. Uh, okay. You don't have to be- no, no embarrassment here on what you have and have not <laughs> listened to. That face too. What face? Like... No, I just because man, I I just don't not like to these, the like, album. What what Joe said? You know? I don't. Well, I don't like. I don't. I don't know what that face was about. But in my mind, I was thinking I don't like these like like artist puritans like or crit- like these puritans on like 
social media where they're like, if you haven't heard an album, like, oh, you're not hip hop or you're not right, this. right. Like, come right. on, man. We have life to live. You know, I was starting to feel right. like guilty about like the people that I love the most that I call my favorite artists not hearing all of their albums. And then I just had to admit to myself like a week ago, I just had to be like, yo, like I'm a, I'm a buy like per album person. Like I'm, I'm an yeah. album by album, case by case person, not an artist by artist. Like I'm an album by album. And yeah, you know, yeah. So, but, but I think I was spoiled a lot coming up where everyone around me was playing the dopest shit around me all yeah. the time. And mm. I didn't have to like reach for it myself. Cause I was always in community and always hearing it and then that's changed and so that's changed a lot when it comes to my listening patterns because it's not like other people are just like yo let's all sit down and listen to this and that's that yeah. happened a lot coming up all right these next two before our final one uh may not be as known so if you've not heard the album it's fine you can just one word on the actual artist it's just fine okay so this one is dirty harriet by raw mm. digger i mean i think that should be known yeah i think so too I mean, dirty. I'm, I don't want to like <laughs> make it easy, but it is. It's just so dirty. She's yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes. Or, okay. or ridiculous. I could use the word ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This one, this one is much more underground. I, I have a, a hunch you've heard it though. But if not, I know I know you know these people. Um, this is rhyme related by the polyrhythmatics. Oh, polyrhythmatics. I I um I think I had that on cassette, you know. Oh, dope. Yeah, I remember listening to that in like a Walkman um yeah Whew. um i know the word i'm looking for i'm just the word that i'm looking for is it's like a kind of like um not multiplicity but like something like that like there's 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 a lot um yeah that's the word i'm just gonna go with yeah. it's like there's there's so many different styles in that one group and um and yet they had so much fun with being, I think, so different, to be honest. Yeah. And um, and they just made really cohesive sounding music. I don't know. It might just be me, but I feel like this album is super underrated. I feel like this is like Mr. Lift's I Heard It Today. Like, it just, it's such a great album that I just feel like it didn't get talked about. Did you enough. pick them because you know I, I did a track of Polyrhythmatics? I did, yeah. I, I noticed okay. that. And I, and I just, you I know, them. we don't, I don't think we've ever showed this album uh before That's to really an artist cool. and i'd love this yeah. album so yeah it's, it was i mean once again new york city at that time yeah that's a part of it and um, complex is is actually the portal to to all that to me doing a record with those guys and he's just dope yeah, yeah. Dope guy. it's a dope song too that you did with him. Oh, all right you. you're welcome last joint of the night everyone uh we the lost the files to a track we did together and they came back and did it all over again and they all wow. came up to see him on their own time. I wasn't even there. They just showed up and recorded their vocals again. So that's dope. That's love. Yeah, that is love. That's dope. All right. Last album. Everyone has probably heard it, plus their mama and grandma, too. This is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Exhale. Ah. That's what that it was is. Quick. <laughs> yeah, that, that was quick. That was quick. Song. Exhale. Yeah. I think that was a collective exhale for a whole lot of people, specifically mm. women, but maybe not just women. But yeah. Yeah. Dope album. Dope album. Eternia, it's been a pleasure having you uh, with us tonight. This is a hip hop show. So we always give some shout outs. So we'll we'll give some shout outs on our end and then we'll turn it over to you for the final shout outs. If that's cool. Cool. OK. All right. Pro. Yo, yo. Who are you going to shout out tonight, man? Man, I ain't been here in a while, man. I'm going to shout out the crew. I'm going to shout out everybody here, man. The the Boom Bat Chat crew. Joe, um, Bo Stowe, Io, of course, Till, Sister Eternia. I'm glad that you still are rocking. Um, we get, definitely give you a shout out. You've been dope. you still dope. Stay killing them like you do. Um, Mr. Liff as well. Shout out to you and your whole family and everything. I appreciate you coming through. Word up. Thanks, bro. Joe, who you want to shout out tonight? I'm going to shout out to hip hop, man. Just just bringing us together and just to be able to talk and chop it up from, you know, across the globe pretty much um, is just a beautiful thing. Um, and so I love talking about it and just uh, just a pleasure to be amongst you guys and, and gal. Word up. Hi, Omas. Hello. Uh, yeah, man, it's been a minute since I've been on this board, Joe. So being back here is like a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm gonna shout out the crew. 
bow, stow, till. You know what I'm saying? Is that everybody? Bow, stow, till. Yeah, and the four of us. Yeah. And yeah. pro. And pro, my brother. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? From another mother. And um, you know it? Yeah, shout out my mentor tonight, man. That's why I was like, kind of late getting on here trying to get stuff done. So shout out my mentor. Uh, shout out Toronto. Shout out, um, you know what I'm saying, Direct, DJ Versatile. And definitely shout out Eternia. You know what I'm saying? Much respect to you. Thank you for taking the time to be on here. Shout out Mr. Lift. Y'all, y'all beautiful family. Um, and yeah, man, you family. So keep coming back whenever you like, you know what I'm saying? You know, put it, put something out. Know that this is a platform where you can promote it on. So yeah. Yep. Peace. Just yeah. want to say peace, peace. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so, Abbas. Uh likewise, I want to shout out hip hop. I want to shout out Canadian hip hop in the house. Yes, uh, Full effect. Uh also want to shout out Elzai and Oh No. Because they have an album coming out, and they're two of my favorites of all time. So I can't wait for that. Shout out to uh, an Ohio MC named Dirty Needles, who's super dope. And he's going to be on the program in two weeks. So if you don't know about this guy, Dirty Needles, go look him up. Go find his music. It's pretty raw and, and funky. So it's it's pretty good. So we'll be interviewing him in two weeks. Uh, and shout out with all the um chaos and um just all the terrible stuff going on in the world. Shout out to the people out there that are um going against the grain bringing people together uh, and, and, you know, appealing to people's humanity and not, you know, messed up corrupt systems and politicians and all that, but are trying to bring people together. So shout out all you out there doing that type of work. I appreciate you. And of course, shout out to Mr. Liff and shout out to you, Eternia. Thank you for, you know, sharing so much great music over the years and for sure coming here tonight and, you know, sharing some of your story and some of yourself with us tonight. So shout out to you. Appreciate you. And with that, we'll turn it over to you for the final shout outs. Man, yeah. I just, first of all, I'm super humbled and grateful. And, and you guys have really lit up my, like, all the things that inspire me to want to do this. Mm. Um, and you doing this, like just being on this show. It was such a pleasant surprise to see all of you. And from what I understand, you guys haven't been here for a while, you know, Pro and Marcus. So it's like <laughs> the fact that you're here now. This interview today, yeah, so the show for having me. Shout out, thank you. Um, um, it's really humbling, actually. And so, on a on a bigger note, but carrying with that exact uh, theme is just people in general that hit me up and that encourage me or tell me what the music meant to them or or, or just anything that just keeps me wanting to write and create because uh, the world has changed so much. And um, and Liff and I often feel like, man, do we even have things to say that we know we can rap, you know, but do, do people even want to hear it anymore? Mm. And I think the answer that we've come down to is yes, but it's because of people like you guys and, and other people out there that hit us up, um, I guess mostly on social media, but not just on social media, um, that allow us to feel that fuel and that fire um, to continue to, to be a voice in hip hop and that we've earned are the right and a spot in hip hop to be a voice in hip hop. And that's something that we shouldn't let go of because we worked so hard and earned that right. Um, so yeah, I want to shout out every single person who in recent years, especially the years that I haven't been as active musically has encouraged me, including yourselves. And uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, on that note, as always, we say peace, 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 peace. peace.